am at my house with a bunch of dudes <laughs> right before PRI. Yeah. Who's on the microphone? Sounds like a good time. Well, I, there's Ben over here. Oh, yeah. This is Ben. Hello. This is also Ben. There are two Bens here and Kobe. Two Bens and a Kobe. Yep. Classic so combo. The Bens are we call old ourselves, friends. Call, call ourselves the BBC. The BBC? Mm-hmm. Ben, Ben, Kobe. I don't think yeah. you can do that. There's already a one of those. That's true. So the Bens are uh, kind of the, the nuts and bolts and the creative genius behind Gears and Gasoline. Um, genius is a strong word. They, they've, <laughs> been, uh, they've been doing this full time for three years. Uh yeah three yeah yeah I I posted about this recently 2017 it's been it's been a few years yes (laughs) so like it's weird that you guys don't have regular jobs this is your regular job which is a super cool thing yeah um what what can you how how do you get started in this what can you tell me about how you ended up quitting what you normally do and became YouTubers uh yeah so um Ben and I started doing videos back in like 2015 I was just getting out of uh, college actually I wasn't out of college yet. Um, and I had a, I was getting a degree in, um, video production and we both like cars and I was filming Ben's ZX2, his very cool mm-hmm. turbocharged yeah. Ford Escort ZX2. You continue to have great luck with that car, don't uh, you? Yeah, let's, all right, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, probably the, arguably the most popular Escort model ever built, the two-door front-engine, front-wheel drive ZX2 trim. Definitely not, not, <laughs> yeah, not the 1600, the RS 1600, not, not that no. one, but the ZX2. The rally ones the were boring, one. let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. They were just the, the precursor to cobbler, the ZX2. right? So, um... We decided to just start doing YouTube stuff. So we were doing YouTube stuff uh, while we were having jobs. I was working at a video production place. He was working at a profitable job at a university. <laughs> um, an actually profitable job, unlike YouTube. <laughs> um, That's fair. And then what? We just got enough views that we decided to quit our jobs? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we were rolling enough. We, we probably did it a little bit earlier than we should have. Uh, we only had like 50,000 subscribers on YouTube at the time, which, uh, I mean, that's not... That's not really enough for us to live on alone. So we had enough freelancing work because, you know, d- selling our video production. We did weddings on the side and stuff like that. And Which uh, seems like actually a great business because everything is more expensive at a wedding. Yeah, it you'll, was You'll it learn was this. You're getting married soon, right? Yeah. Are you going to do am, your own I, video? I'm not. <laughs> and I'm not. He's no. going to selfie the whole wedding. Just <laughs> <laughs> no, that's going to be beautiful. But yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I think we kind of jumped into it a little bit early, but I'm glad we did because, I mean, you really have to commit to something like this to be able to actually be successful. And I feel like it's YouTube is everybody is trying to be like have their voice heard. And there's a lot of people screaming. So it's really hard to actually have a voice out there. Yeah. So <laughs> instead of screaming, we just talk kind of softly. Yeah. But we edit it heavily. But if you do it long enough, yeah. <laughs> stick to it long <laughs> enough. And so I'm, years. I met you guys in 2017, which was. Um, Gridlife's first visit to Mid-Ohio, and Adam oh. Adam told me, hey, there's going to be some guys filming some stuff, and uh, we've never met them, but you're going to be their point of contact. You should help them like get used to the nuts and bolts of all of our events. And so at the time, I was like awkwardly trying to, to figure out who you guys were because I was new to my role as well, and uh, it seems like things kind of just clicked. So can I tell you something? Yes. Uh, when we got the gig so the way that we got the gig working for grid life was ben uh I sent an email yeah. to chris Dude, stewart it, I, I don't even know if it was an email it might have been a facebook message like it was, it was just like a totally it was cold, way out of the blue yeah he was just like cold calling like people trying to get us jobs um and i i don't know about ben but i was nervous as kobe you can open that beer over here it's yeah. fine <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> no, it's it's kind of remarkable because sometimes I text or email Chris and he doesn't email back, so it's pretty awesome. I know, he, right? Yeah, 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 Chris is a hard man to get a hold of. Dude, I don't know. Yeah, he he blessed us. He he like yeah. gave us a shot, and I'm glad he did. But we were super nervous to to work with you guys, like extremely nervous. Like, uh, I, can, I can understand that. Yeah. Um, it seems like track videos are a really it's a really hard thing to do well and. Having known you guys for a little while, I, one of the things that uh, genuinely I think you do better than most is uh, craft the, the story, right? Because I think a lot of people can capture what happens at an event, but very few people are actually good at telling a story. And so some of the things that you've done, um, the video you did at Road Atlanta last year where uh, James was just doing an interview for most of the, the show, I thought was, was excellent because yeah. the... The behind-the-scenes stuff that that make the events tick, I think, are what make it really interesting. The people. So we're actually going to discontinue the actual time attack series and just make it the James Houghton hour. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great idea. Hour. Each yeah. episode will yeah. be an hour. It'll yeah. be an hour with James Houghton. Yeah, an hour. <laughs> James Houghton's fireside chats. Sponsored by Dole Watermelons. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Uh, you're here at PRI and you're here, you know, pounding the pavement just like everybody else to try and get um, uh, new opportunities for next year. Mm. Um, since the kind of you guys first getting started, you've done a million adventures and only some of them I've seen on the Internet. Can you talk about those? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, probably the thing that most people know us about is our cross country road trips. Mm. Um, so back in 2018, which was almost two years ago now. Yeah, it was like two years ago now. Hmm. Um, last year in June, we went from, we dr we live in Virginia. We drove from Virginia down to Florida. Me and my, I have an Evo 9 MR, so you and I have something. Evo, Evo buddies. Evo yeah. buddies. <laughs> and Thorne has a very cool Forester uh, XT, like a 04, mm -hmm. the best generation that has been um, STI swapped like fully, like nobody else's STI swapped like his. It's got. I, I did well, watch your video so much about how time. expensive it was to do that, so. Yeah, it's scope creep, man. Like yeah. that's like two years worth of stuff. It's just like a slippery slope downhill. It's like, well, this this broke, so now I <laughs> yeah, need to make exactly. this better. That really was. Yeah. But yeah, so we we drove those cars down to Florida, and then drove from Florida, uh, directly west through Texas to L.A., up the West Coast, like up Highway Beautiful One. Beautiful drive. I've done that drive. drive. Uh, yeah. Every inch from San Diego to Seattle. Incredible yeah. drive. Unbelievable. So gorgeous. Yeah. I remember there was like a 10 hour stint after San Francisco where we were just on like carving road, roads, mountain roads, yeah. just going at what, it. What were you driving when you did it? Civic. Dude, that's <sighs> not, excellent. Not, not that Civic, yeah. but Civic. Um, Any Civic will in, do. Uh, in college, during, after my first year, Ashley and I took a road trip where for three weeks um, we just lived out of the back of the car. And we drove from here, basically, uh, through Colorado, um, through Vegas, and then to San Diego, and then... Um, all the way up to Seattle, and we stopped at like every national park we could along mm. the way, and then made our way back. That's so awesome. It was an awesome trip, and I, uh, we did it like on the cheap. We basically camped every night, and we cooked every time we could. So uh, at that time, it was like what 2005. You guys would have been like in diapers at that time. Yeah, <laughs> I was 11. So I was uh, in high school. We did we did the entire trip for like 2,500 bucks. We were gone three weeks, and so like. That, that type of trip is something I'll remember for like ever mm -hmm. because you'll never have the time to do that again right. unless you're a YouTuber. Yeah. <laughs> and all the shitty stuff that happened. Can we swear on the show? Yeah, you all, can swear. Okay. Yeah, all the, all the bad stuff that happened, you're, you've forgotten now, except for the funny yeah, stuff. You only remember right? the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's we like slept all the, in all our cars a lot. 
Yeah. But I don't really remember her, like waking bad. up sweaty. So I, maybe that was like part of the shtick, but like you guys took the worst cars. <laughs> well, so that's on a thing. road trip. I don't know, like that's the worst, ostensibly that's they're debatable. the worst cars, but in practice they weren't that bad. Which was kind of a bummer. Yeah, I mean, we could have taken rental cars and done it real easy. Like, had no yeah. issues. But it wouldn't have been any fun. Sure. I'm, well, I took, I mean, obviously, I've, I've done one lap, and I've talked about it on the show a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, so, on the trip, it was uh, me, my co-driver, James, um, and my dad, who was on the trip with us, and Ashley in the car, in an Evo. Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> and we were packed with gear. That's the worst car. That is the, <laughs> the worst. worst car. Yeah. So um, what we did was we both got ski boxes like yeah, to, that go on the roof. Uh, and everybody thought we were trying to be fuckboy scene kids. But we were actually... Gotta get them points, man. <laughs> we, we both got them points and also increased our storage capacity yeah, that exponentially. Because really so. car- carrying all the camera gear, and you, you wouldn't believe how many tools I brought because I'm driving a Subaru. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, <laughs> I had probably like 300 pounds worth of tools in that car. Yeah. <laughs> what is the most outrageous spare part you brought with you? Dude, I've brought everything like a fuel pump, starter, serpentine belts. Uh, yeah, that's I don't know. That's about that it. doesn't even seem axles. axles. I've brought axles. Yeah, yeah that was uh, that's that is weird because it's not like we're I didn't bring them on that road going trip, to the drag strip I have or something. Before. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've broken axles before. You ever broken an axle? No, you know who breaks it? axles? No. Luke McGrew. He was uh, he was at M1 and broke an axle like on Friday morning, and there were. The, the story is he just had to leave because there were no more mm. Viper axles in the country available at the time. I don't doubt that. Mm. Axles yeah. are hard to find. Yeah. Mid-Ohio, like a day later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that guy. He's. I don't think Luke has ever had a bad time ever. Have you ever had <laughs> Luke on the show? Uh, we did. We did at Summit Point. Okay. All right, you have to go back and listen to that I one. need to listen to that because Luke McGrew is my ASMR. Like I could listen to I could listen to his, My ASMR. his who was it West Virginia who, accent. Who talk was about it that told you you absolutely need to spend more time talking to Luke McGrew? Uh, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you. You told me back at M1 in 2017 that I needed to interview him, and I pointed a camera at him, and he was just super awkward because yeah. I was pointing a camera at him, and like that's that was all I could see. And then we did a legitimate interview, and he's amazing. I, I love. So uh, I think my favorite part of the work you guys had done this year was the like absolutely silly outtakes. Uh, I think that's my favorite part about everything you've done this year. So, like, Luke dragging a cigarette and drinking Mean Beans is funny. So, <laughs> Well, if you want to see that, you should just hang out with Luke ever. Because that's just all he ever does. Uh, it's it's kind Before of embarrassing. James. And I know that Derek yeah. loves when I talk about it on the show. But uh, I probably did more laps in Luke's car in the passenger seat than I did in any other vehicle. <laughs> um, yeah, I he's a driver. I love that car. Yeah, uh, it's it is, amazing. It's, it's the craziest thing I've it's ever a, been in. It's a bummer he's selling it. Yeah. I hope he doesn't. Yeah. It, I guess it's my thought that that vehicle will never, ever be worth less than it is currently worth. Worth less than it is currently worth? It's never going to go down. Oh, it's yeah. never going to go down. Yeah, it's it's the yeah. greatest track car that yeah. Dodge has ever made, yeah. ever. Yeah. yeah. And they made a few of them. I don't know. The his, Omni was pretty dope. And he is his car is clean. <laughs> like, it's clear broad. It's, it's always the cleanest yeah. looking car at the yeah. track. He's never put it off. That's like the most. Wow, really? He's, I mean, he's a really, really clean. He's guy. A, with as much as he drives, that's amazing. Yeah, and with as fast as he goes, that's what I'm yeah. t- always telling Kobe is like he's competitive, and he doesn't go off. That's so really like impressive. some drivers will, um, in an attempt to find the limit, they will overshoot, and they'll go off track and then kind of dial it back. We call it the Swenson it. method. Some ah, drivers. Swenson. Yeah. 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 Patented Swenson yeah. method. Yeah. yeah, he loves it when you talk about that. By the way, no, no, I know he does. That's why I do all the time. <laughs> Um, but I, I've never seen Luke go over the limit. 
Now that doesn't mean that there may not be more time on the table, but he he does laps over a weekend. I mean, yeah. He does a hundred laps, if not more, which is unusual for Time Attack. Um, <coughs> but he just he keeps getting faster. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget at Mid Ohio that first year when we met. Like he put down a fast time. I guess he had he had whatever he needed to have done, and he just started giving people laps. I mean, he would go out for like one or two laps, stop, get out. Someone would get out with the helmet, trade it off with someone else, they'd get in, yeah. and go right back out. That's what he did at Shenandoah. <laughs> so um, my neighbors here yeah. uh, are not car people, but they came to Midwest to just like hang out and party oh, with nice. us. And uh, uh, my friend's wife, Katie, I was like, hey, Luke, will you give Katie a ride? She doesn't know anything about cars. And he was like, yeah, totally. Just went out and took everybody out. She had the the best time that's awesome um we could do a whole episode just talking about luke McGregor. yeah we could <laughs> man, that Dude, guy he's wild yeah man <laughs> luke McGrew is wild he'll go out and do a pile of laps so uh what uh, outside of grid life for 2020 what's what's the next fun project that you guys are working on i mean we're we're hopefully always going to be doing road trips yeah so we'd like to do another one the last so, i'm surprised you guys don't kill each other well, uh, we're in separate cars. Yeah, so pretty, it comes helps. pretty close. Yeah, it comes pretty close. <laughs> well, you guys are super friendly to each other uh, at events. So, so at an event that you weren't at, I think Abe comes up to me and he's like, "Hey, do you and the other Ben like get along?" And I was like. Oh, uh, <laughs> we chafe <laughs> after a certain amount of time. Yeah, it's and really it's, if sometimes that amount time. of time is five minutes. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's funny. Uh, no. If you were into cycling, you should buy some chamois butter and just kind of like <laughs> make sure those two surfaces just go together. Okay. Well, we're yeah. very different people. Like in no in, kidding. Yeah. Well, well we're most different. Are, we're, but we're different, but we're very similar uh, in like bad ways. Like <laughs> like just, in competitiveness. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Like in like I have to be right. You have to be right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no, neither one of us is like a B personality, I guess. So yeah. it's not like one person can kind and of. And that makes it that makes it really hard to have like a partnership, like yeah. a 50-50 partnership. Because yeah. who's to say? Invariably, someone wants know. to take the lead. Right. Yeah. Well, what I have noticed, and, and maybe this is, uh, maybe it's not happening behind the scenes, but it seems like each one of you kind of takes the lead on uh, a release. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so that was a system that we had to work out because it, it was hard to just like have one it was hard to have us both like work equally on a project. Mm-hmm. Like one person kind of just needs to be able to take their hands off and let the other person just let the other person call the shots. Sure. Yeah. So just to alleviate friction. Seemingly you always do the weird videos where you're just like, Oh yeah. I want to <clears throat> watch what, what's the tire that you love so much? That 88R. Uh, yeah. It's inexplicable why you love that tire so much. Uh, it's not. Mm, no, it's not. <laughs> Cause like beauty is subjective, but the 88R is the most beautiful tire factually. <laughs> And it's a just really good track tire. Uh, beauty in tires is not a thing that has ever crossed my mind ever. Really? Really. You are kind of a machine, though, Abe. So uh, <laughs> I, I hate a lot of people. Like I, um, <laughs> Did I just join that list? <laughs> no, no, no. My, my point, the point I wanted to make is uh, I'm, I'm not known at work for being like the most festive, friendly guy. Um, <laughs> That's weird because your house is festive as shit. Yeah, we have three Christmas trees here. Yeah, you do. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah, um, that's but, opulence. Right uh, there. One of my friends who is not too dissimilar from me once called me a slightly empathetic <laughs> automaton, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably close to being right. So. I think the emotion, most emotion I see coming out of you is when you're talking about time attack. You do get psyched about time attack. Well, yeah. Time attack's pretty cool. I could teach you to love uh, if we just spend a little bit of time with the 88R. 
I could, <laughs> I could teach a robot the meaning of beauty. Mm. See, but beauty is not a criterion for effectiveness of a tire. No, but like you just can't go fast on a, a bad looking tire. <laughs> no, you absolutely can. Yeah. I mean, rivals are pretty quick. They don't look that bad. Mm. It's just a tire. They're pretty meaty. It's a different look. It depends on what you're into. Let's see. What's a bad looking tire? Man, I can't talk about yeah, shit. Yeah, no, we can't. We can't talk. <laughs> There's like about sponsorship yeah. stuff that I can't talk about. <laughs> that sucks. See, that's that's what happens when you get like big time. You're just not allowed to speak your mind anymore. I know, right? Yeah, we're just so big time. You're like all tires equally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If there are any sponsors out there, yeah, I love your tire. Yeah. You know, if I was a tire sponsor and I listened to this show, I would. Uh, I don't know. I'd probably consider my life choices. Yeah. <laughs> if Yokohama wants to send me some of their fifteen hundred dollars slow. 88 hours <laughs> they, should, they definitely can you'd probably like be the the best brand advocate that they could get dude that's what i tried to do i was like <laughs> did, did you send them the video or you were like hey i, I don't know, know yeah i don't know if they've even seen that if no, they haven't they that, that'd haven't. be that'd be a travesty they, they've been making that tire for like a decade well I mean, legitimately hmm. in 09 they started making the when did, uh, the re71 came out in 2014 <laughs> or 15 yeah Fi- i know it was 15 because the RS Motors guys ran it in one lap that year. Um, and that was like kind of the untested tire. I think it was known a little bit in autocross, but like that's What a still, good risk to take. <laughs> it is, but it isn't. Like, um, oh, I guess it would be a bad one lap tire. So like people yeah, think that um, we didn't have problems with wear. We had problems with rain. So mm, it yeah, rained yeah. Uh, in, in some capacity. It rained like four or five days out of seven. Mm-hmm. And... I was not confident in the rain on those. Hmm. Um, I think the guys on like Pilot Super Sports or what is the successor now, like the the 4S, mm-hmm. that is a much, much better rain tire. Oh, but yeah. you'd be slower on track. It's true, but hmm. remember, you're probably at a track you've never been at before. Yeah, and that, you, that's true. You get a partial sight lap, and then you get three continuous hot laps. Well, because you guys have to do wet slalom stuff, don't you? Isn't that like... Mm. A, we didn't do... <coughs> wet skid, yeah. Yeah. Um, or yeah, not slaloming. Which, but. like can i mean i follow that series kind of closely and that can destroy you right um because some cars do disproportionately badly yeah Yeah. so like uh andy hollis did really well in the what is he he had the 720 this year he did really well in the rain um but uh the rs motors guys uh, seemingly always slay it on the track all the time yeah but the first event is always the wet skid pad and they'll they'll finish like 30 to 40th. Yeah. And so it's, it's, you need to be like perfect the rest of the year or the West, the rest of the week to make that time and position up. Right. It's a really hard thing to do. So you might sacrifice, I would be willing to sacrifice, um, you know, five positions on track to get 20 positions, uh, on the wet skid pad Right. and any potential rainy weather, which it seems. Well, they place well, like didn't they, haven't they won? Uh, Brandon and Micaiah won last year. They yeah. won in the TTRS. Oh, and Andy's right. building up that car. Apparently, it's crazier than it was. <laughs> so that's like, cool. I I have this weird love for TTRSs. I think they're super cool. I have a weird love for anything Andy touches. <laughs> Andy's so good. Mm-hmm. He's um, gonna touch my Civic soon. Mm. Oh, I'm excited he's for gonna that. do a swap. He's gonna do the case swap. So I talked to Andy about swapping my car as well. Uh, mm. He was like, "Yeah, we could put a TSX motor and cams in that, and like it would be rowdy and fun and reliable, and it wouldn't be that expensive." Dude, TSX motors are not like that much. It's it's everything around it that costs money. Don't you have a K twenty? K twenty. Yeah. So you 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 want to do a K twenty four instead? Well, it, it would be peppier. More power. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be easy to just like cam the K twenty though? Well, you get a little bit more with the K twenty four. Just get torque all yeah. the way across, um, and uh, the 
excuse me, the TSX motors are much cheaper than the uh, Civic SI replace, replacement motors, mm. I think. Um, so like you can buy a whole crate motor, uh, TSX, for like 800 bucks. Really? Yeah. That's cool. They're like, they're really cheap. I know yeah. that like the 2008 is the one to get with the, it's got a better head, different cams, yep. bigger valves. Yeah, but Andy, I think has... I think he just has them. Yeah, I'm, I've been talking with him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's got a few. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what timing works out. But like, uh, I was kind of looking into it, and it's like, uh, to me, the the Mugen is like a cool car. But um, other Keep. other than the aesthetic, it's it's just a Civic Si, which I actually really like. Yeah. But I think it would be cooler if it had the OEM reliability, but like. Just kind of a punchier yeah. engine. Well, if you want to maximize everything you can get, keep that head and keep that intake manifold. Yeah, I kind of want to. I, I really kind of want to do just a sealed Honda motor, just because be I more want reliable. it to be a hundred percent. Well, reliable. I'll buy your head and I'll buy your intake manifold. Well, the motor is going to come out. <laughs> and your trans, actually, you're going to keep your trans. What, what would I put in? I don't know. <laughs> this just turned into pick and save the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is Honda life for you. So right Adam here. sent me a picture. Um, Adam sent me a picture a couple days ago. Um, his basement is a warehouse of old Honda like D series parts. And when I say a warehouse, I mean like at one point he had like twenty seven transmissions. Mm. I've never seen someone take a D series so far. It's unbelievable. It's silly. <laughs> um, we do silly things for cars, don't we? The other thing I wanted to talk about, and I I don't know anyone who has one, um, but a car that I can't get past right now is um, the CT six V. I want to see one. I want to drive one. I it, Cadillac. Yeah, it's it's the only car that is going to have that bespoke black wing engine. It's got well, it's a four point two twin turbo hot V motor. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So yeah. Kobe's got something to say. Oh, yeah. Kobe, patching so, and Toby tapping so out. So cool story about that. So since I started working at Kaizen Auto Sports at VIR, Kobe Shield, by the way. Oh my lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's. Kobe Shield. He drives the Zaxby's Camaro at Grid Lifetime Attack. Yep, the fried, fried chicken, chicken Camaro. Camaro. <laughs> That's me. He won. He won the last year season. Just, oh just thrown out there. So, Dominated. so, so <laughs> with Kaizen that I work for, I do um, coaching and instruction for them um, with racing schools and all that fun stuff. So it's at VIR, and we're based out of VIR. So we get to get into the track on private test days when no one else is allowed there. So we saw um, this was like two, not even a month ago. All these rigs start rolling in, right? And we're supposed to be gone, but it doesn't matter. We're packing up the shop and everything. And we look up, and I start seeing all these Camaros rolling off this enclosed. I'm like, what in the world? And so all of a sudden, I see all the garage bays start shutting. So they're, we like look around um, one of the big rigs, and you can see VIR has like a row of garages. And it's I think there's like 20 garages. Well, they had like at least 15 of them, and they're shutting all the doors on them. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And it's dark. And so... We had to run up to one of our other shops, and we come rolling through in the shop truck, and you're not allowed to take any pictures. You can't have your phones out. I mean, they'll run you down and take your phones um, just because we're not supposed to be there. And you see those cars. So we're, I'm like, what the heck is that thing? And they're all camouflaged. So it's the, what is it, the CT? 6V. Yeah, CT6V. So they had a bunch of those. So there was probably five of them sitting outside of garages with a ZL11LE sitting next to it. They had the current generation CTSV. 
Um, and Which then they is had, also awesome. Yep, and then they had a couple C7 um, Corvettes sitting there as well. But all the CT6Vs were in camouflage. And sure enough, they ended up running all of them. So that, I guess, was a car and driver article that just came out? Yeah, I think so. So it was that test day. Those were all those cars that were there. And that was them, those car and driver testing. So we just saw them all the night before. But it was cool seeing those Sick. cars. So they look wicked in person. Well, but I, they were I, benchmarking I them. Like, I'm sure every person on the show has heard of these cars. But like... I think the thing that just really resonates with me is, you know, this car is going to be a collector car. It has to be because this is a bespoke engine and it's clean sheet and they're only making 800 units. Oh, I didn't like, know that. They, mm. the, the project's been like kind of shuttered by GM. So they Cadillac did this like bespoke Cadillac engine, which is magnificent by, by some measure. Mm. And they're only making 600 cars before they just go back to something completely different. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, they, I will tell you, they sound phenomenal. So all you could hear was turbo and then it would go by and it sounded insane. I just looked this up on my phone because I'm very ignorant. Uh, Is this bigger than the CTSV? I think it's slightly. They're smaller, I thought, right? They look, they look completely different. They're like completely redesigned. Huge. So I don't know that you guys know, um, you know, all the Grid Life staff, but um, Scott and Renee do a lot of the GLTC and HPDE program. Uh, you've seen Renee in Grid, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Renee has an ATSV, and she thinks that that car is awesome. So, like, I I know that Cadillac knows how to make really cool cars, yeah. and it's it's a shame that this one thing that just happens to be so cool, they're not gonna make more of. Hmm. So it kind of kind of bumps me out. Sometimes they do that just to make it cooler. Well, I if if I were a company that was interested in making money, I would not design an engine from scratch. And then put it in 800 cars and then yeah. stop. I mean, Do you think there's a platform it. they might chuck it in? Yeah, as I say, something in the future. I don't know, man. You can put that in a Camaro and I'd buy it. I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so the, the rumors have been that they're going to kill it. But then other people are saying maybe they're just trying to kind of bring up the market on the Camaros. And then they're going to drop some bomb. Mm-hmm. So That'd my be mind huge. has been maybe they're going to take some crazy motor and chuck it into the Camaro chassis. That so crazy. Because, I mean, they've been selling the mess out of the ZL1s and the ZL1 1LEs. They're, only, they're just struggling on the base cars because yeah. Mustang outsells them like crazy on yeah. on the baselines at least. The the base like this is not race car discussion. It's it's like regular car production talk, car. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's weird that like entry level Camaros and Mustangs are uh, like marginally sports cars. They're, yeah, they're all for the look. They're all for oh, they're terrible. You know, they're atrocious. Yeah. So. Um, what are you doing? Uh, let's, let's give it back to Kobe. What are you doing this year? Are you making any changes to your car? So I was going to keep it a secret, but... Um, but you hear it first. Uh, we <laughs> Exclusive. Had, we had the announcement of Jackie Ding buying his first Supra here. That was the announcement on, on Slip Oh, awesome. Well, then I'll, I'll kind of drop this. So I've had some friends that are currently sitting at this table with me that encourage me to increase my social media. And I've decided to do that. So I will have kind of just build videos on my YouTube channel, what I'm going to do. Um, but basic terms, the LT1s uh, respond insanely well to just more air and more fuel. So mm-hmm. I'm literally just adding um, an MSD intake manifold. Okay. And then um, catless headers. I don't know who I'm going to run yet. There's like three different companies um, that I'm considering. But with that, and then you add a flex fuel kit and some E85, the car will gain like 80 to 100 wheel horsepower. No kidding. Yeah. So I'm going to go from like 415 to the wheels to probably 515 or 520 and to the wheels. And stay in Street GT. Yes. And uh, 
he's we're, we're sitting at the people who discuss rules right mm -hmm. so you've you've just indicated that you're not going to do any internal engine modification which <laughs> makes that completely legal that's yeah. correct so <laughs> that was the fun part for it is last year or this year was kind of like my test year for me i could keep the car the car I know my friends joke with me about the word stock, but the car was literally stock other than an intake. Well, and I then mean, I had track pads and wheels and tires. there was a supercharger in the club box. And well, that's something we don't slips. need to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, well, I removed the supercharger. We're switching over to an NA setup. So uh, backstory on this was uh, a gentleman in street GT at road Atlanta um, was competing against Kobe and was getting waxed and came and protested Kobe and his car to say that, that car was most certainly supercharged, and it was most certainly on slicks. And I had to tell the gentleman, "No, it's neither of those things." We were on He's RE seventy one R's. Well, thank you. That's so. Yeah, like I'm gonna say it because Kobe probably won't. But he that car is like bone stock, like bone suspension at Shenandoah. Everybody was getting air. Freaking WRXs in street class were getting huge air, and Kobe's. Got no air because he's on stock suspension. He's got no just unload. So, Kobe, tell us your story. You're kind of a younger guy. Yeah. You, you don't look. I just old. turned 25. Okay. Um, I don't know for how long you've been driving, but you're mm -hmm. you're pretty good at it. Thank um, you. So, how did you get involved in in driving, and why did you choose to spend your time where you drive with us? Okay, I'll try and make this as short and sweet as possible. You um, got all the time in the world. <laughs> so, my dad, growing up, always had awesome cars. Um, he had back in the day when they were cheaper. We had he had a bunch of air cooled 911s. So he even had a Carrera S. I think it was like a 70, 70 I don't know. It was an early 70s Carrera S. It was caged and everything. And he would drive me around in my baby seat. Like he would have me face spun around in my car seat. And I was like two years old, and he's driving me around in a caged Carrera S. So um, he had always 911s. He had an E30 M3. He had um, a supercharged Volkswagen GTI, like the VR6. Um, so stuff like that. He would always do autocross. Um, he took me to the Rolex 24 when I was little, probably like eight years old, um, and took me with my whole family. And so it kind of gave me the bug. Oh, sure. And um, we would go to VIR. I only grew up about an hour, hour and a half from VIR. So um, he would take me to VIR for the IMSA events, which then it was Rolex and Grand Am. Um, so I was always surrounded by it. Um, but he he did pretty well. We were probably a middle-class family, but um, my parents got divorced, so we didn't have the time or the money for me to be in racing. So I said, screw it. I want to do something that's competitive. So I got into racing dirt bikes and literally funded my own racing. So I worked like 35 hours a week in high school. I would get out of school, go to work, close the store, wake up at 6, 30, 7 o'clock in the morning, go back to school. And then I would race dirt bikes on the weekends. And so funded my racing with that. Every penny I had went to racing dirt bikes. Um, and then I realized I wanted to do car stuff. So I bought... I've had so many cars. I had a Volkswagen GTI, um, an Audi S4, and then um, the first car that I competed in, I guess you would say, is autocross was in a Honda S2000. And so the S2000 definitely taught me how to drive. It taught me car control. Um, those cars always want to kill you is sure. kind of my motto. I tell people like, what's a good car to drive? I'm like, well, if you want to learn and so come close to that. So you're driving on an AP1 or an AP2? AP1. Okay. So I tuned out. I literally ran... An 08. With a, with a Jay's titanium exhaust. Yep, that I moronically sold because I was naive. And I sold that for a freaking NVIDIA Q200 because yeah, I wanted to make money. Boy face yeah, I did. Before he got to his I, fried chicken I didn't face. know. 
So oh, fried chicken face. Yeah. So long story short, it was just a squared setup S two thousand, and I competed in that, and I was decently competitive in autocross, and then uh, regionally, nationally, regionally. Okay. Um, and then I got really serious with it when a buddy of mine bought a BRZ right when they first came out. Um, we built it, excuse me, perfectly for SCX class. So yeah. we won a bunch of regional events in it. Um, I never went to nationals because I didn't know about nationals. I literally had no clue what I was doing, no clue how to set up suspension. It would just oversteer and I'd mess with the dampening a little bit and then go back at it or yeah. I'd change tire pressure. Coach is like pure driver mod. Like, I don't know. Oh, we we know a womb. few people like that. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I, I guess best way to put it is I was self-taught. I didn't have the money to go get driver coaching. I didn't have the money for track days or anything like that early on. Um, then long story short, uh, went to school at Liberty for business, um, dropped out of that because I was working too much, um, and, and family situation and other things. And then was blessed with the opportunity to jump into Zaxby's. Um, and so I am a director of operations for Zaxby's now, and I run three stores and we're looking to grow. Um, and I have kind of a stake in the company with um, our bottom line with my owner. So it's weird that you'd have a stake in the company when it's a chicken company. Yeah, well, nice. <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs> so I have a, um, what would you call it? I have a, Maybe a feather in the company, a oh, claw in the company, there, there a beak. Go. I have a beak in the company. Yeah. So um, the, the shareholders keep him abreast of all of the. Uh, <laughs> oh. There you go. <laughs> so long story short, I took um, started instructing um, with NASA. Got certified, all that stuff. Went and bought the Camaro. Shoot, it's almost been. It's the longest I've ever owned a car. <laughs> bought the Camaro a year and a half ago. I had a C six Z six before it, which would absolutely obliterate Street GT class, and I have no clue why I sold it. Uh, I don't know. Does the Street GT accommodate C6 Z06s? Oh, my, yes. And Inflation someone listening to this podcast, if you want to be very competitive, go buy a C6 <laughs> Z06. And I'll be hanging on for dear life and crying when you pull onto grid. So I did just field an email. I have yet to respond. Um, so we get all like the, the tech questions through the GridLife page. Mm -hmm. So if you send a random email to the GridLife help desk, more than likely if it's a tech question, it gets to Adam and I. And I did have someone ask about um, tires in street mod and how uh, for Corvettes and Camaros and things like that, it's, uh, it seems silly to them that 285s is the maximum width tire allowed in the class mm -hmm. when street GT being, quote, lower uh, accommodates a 315. Mm -hmm. um, I, don't, I think people who ask a question like that maybe haven't been to an event before and like don't understand where the like, differences in... in I don't know, car categories are, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to imagine how lopsided the, the, the entire street mod class would be if you allowed a 315. Yeah. It, you'd, like, it you'd just, have street it mod would, guys running on track mod. Yeah, it would turn into, I don't know, turn into, I think the way you guys have the classing, it, it might be odd to somebody that's never run with you guys. And that was maybe the same for me. But I think it's perfect because it keeps very similar chassis and cars and horsepower ranges in check. And it keeps it very, very competitive. Yeah, we've, um, Adam and I spend probably more time on the phone than anyone can appreciate talking about parity and like just making sure that that nothing is lopsided and when when something's not broken we don't we don't mess with it right and mm -hmm. in terms of um, you know all the classes street street GT and street mod this year the parity was so good that like we're not going to do anything to it there's no reason to um, I think there's some substantial changes coming into track mod to be more inclusive and 
some of those are going to be in, unpopular for some people, but the goal is to just get more cars in that are at the same performance potential. I can't imagine how hard it is to set up these rules because everyone's going to try to find the loophole to try to figure out where they got their yeah, advantage. And, and, yeah, and like, you all have to fight that. We, That's crazy. I, I think our attitude and our approach is that it's not a problem until it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've not yet seen... Um, in, in track mod, I don't think that we've seen the um, people really attempting to push the limit. Uh, we see that more in street mod and like people talk on Facebook and wherever else that like street mod is an arms race and it's like this money game and everyone has a thousand horsepower and that's like it's not true um, but at the same time I think that the drivers uh, unlike track mod where you get drivers that are running multiple series and trying to set up an all-purpose car mm-hmm. uh, the guys who run street mod with the exception of trying to run one lap also uh, the guys who run street mod are there to win street mod and that's it and they mm-hmm. build a car to win street mod mm-hmm. and so th- i think the like the the how close they are to the limit is much closer than track mod i think track mod is is can be insane um andy smedgard ran pete collins car the the e46 wide body um m3 at gingerman in october and he was there for a shakedown and was running 32s mm-hmm. so that was just barely slower than, um, I think it was Piglisi maybe, mm-hmm. just barely slower than the the like the the winner of the class for that event. But he was like, yeah, we're just we're just here kind of checking things out. We're not pushing yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's probably the the only car so far that's that's really going after that rule set because when you think about some of the functional differences between unlimited and track mod, like yeah, it's it's slick tires and that's probably good for a few seconds, but like. The other restrictions are there. There's not that many of them. There's no arrow limitation in track mod. And so when when we start to see drivers really commit to running the series and like trying to compete at a really high level, I think you're going to see cars maybe hit the 29s at Gingerman this year, which would be awesome. Because when I went there in 16 to Grid Life, what was it, Grid Life 3? People lost their minds when Professional Awesome's did a 29 and Unlimited. And so, like, it's just unlimited is on another planet now, but like, track mod's getting fast. Yeah, I mean, well, track mod's already doing sub twenty nine. Mm, tra- not not in uh, not a gingerman. They're doing oh, sorry, low gingerman. 30s. Gingerman. Sorry, I was thinking of Atlanta. Yeah, uh, sub sub twenty nine said Atlanta is pretty common, but it seems like I think it's like thirty one, thirty two is where the track mod's at at gingerman, which yeah. is. Anything under sub 140, 140 is yeah. fast to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never been to Gingerman, so I'm hoping I can break the sub 140 club. Uh, I think you should probably be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I would hope so. I feel like I'm going to be pretty slow if I don't. <laughs> so but according why, why to Facebook, you... I'm, I'm slow unless I go sub 140. That's true. But, yeah. like, I mean, that's, that's just the minimum bar. Like, if you run 130, now you're, now you're really something. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's the entry level. I mean, so when we talk about classes, though, it is you do have to consider that this is time attack. I mean, like, street mod is crazy. Like, some of these people build these cars. They're like, oh, that's not a street car. I mean, yes, like, it technically is a street car. Like, you could technically drive it on the street. But you're also talking about, like, competing in a time attack event. That's true. But I chose to write some rules into the street mod rulebook this year that allows me to impose an ice cream impound where I can send you to Sherman's to get ice cream if I want to. What happens if you get pulled over and impounded on the way to Sherman's? Well, I mean, the car has... Effectively, what I'm saying is that the car has to be registered and roadworthy. The real question is, is it still worth it to get Sherman's now that ownership has changed? That's what I want to know. As long as the ice cream (laughs) is the same. Is it good? And so, actually, I wanted to say specifically that the rule says 
take your wife or spouse to get ice cream. And if you, then you take my wife to get ice cream. Like <laughs> that's how this goes. <laughs> so, I love it. Uh, I think it's perfect. No, I, I think to me, like I, I draw a lot of inspiration from the like the the elite cars of One Lap of America, right? Build a car that can drive five thousand miles on the road and compete at a really high level on the track and be reliable the whole time. Like to me, that's what a street mod car really is. And so I want cars to be roadworthy. I don't want them to be these like beasts of burden that break down all the time. And the threshold for like what is considered a street car is such a fuzzy line because it's really about what are you willing to put up with. Like, are you willing to put up with a stiff clutch, stiff suspension, that kind of thing? Like, I wouldn't want to daily drive that, but technically that's a street car. So, and here's the here's where things really start to get funny, right? Like, does a does a daily dry sump uh, does that does that show up on a street car? Because like, yeah. uh, I don't know. Yeah, fuel cells or, or like you know uh, standalone ECUs. Those things that like don't directly add performance potential necessarily are like. Well, they're fuzzy. Like uh, it's a little bit outside the spirit, but at the same time, it like doesn't make you faster necessarily. So, like, uh, a lot of people complain. Like, it's it's like a big joke about like the street mod cars not being street cars at all, right? But if you think about it, compared to drag racing, where people say this is the world's quickest street car in a quarter mile, like quickest door slammer, like the criteria for that is that your door opens and closes, <laughs> like, and you drove it to the event. Like these are not remote. Like your two body Camaro or whatever that does like a six second quarter mile is not a street car. Like, yeah, but at all. that car in particular, the fact that it goes on drag week and drives to each event, that's pretty awesome. No, it's yeah, incredible. It's badass, but like, but I agree with you. That's a freaking race car. A, it's not a street car. Yeah. Like, and they figured out how to get it registered. Comparatively, like most of these street mod, like Sean Cross box car is like totally a street car it's true like, he uh he did tag me in a video recently uh he drove it to dairy queen to yeah, ice cream. yeah <laughs> it's a fantastic video perfect yeah. and he's like you don't need a thousand horsepower he won he dominated with like 450 horsepower yep and he he just did really really well at button button willow especially for not being there i mean he, uh, he, not he, he killed it he was four tenths off the record or something it's it's and not a soft record it's really not. Marcos is very fast, yeah. um, and he's as good at talking shit on the internet as he is as driving, which means yeah. that he's really good at talking shit on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I would love to see those guys compete head to head, but yeah. uh, it seems like the well, stars. Well, they have, did. Well, not the same weekend, not the same weather. Uh, track. It was the same weekend. Marcos well, was there. He was driving the bug guy. Yeah, but they weren't in the same class, right? right yeah. Um, I, I think the the changes to tire rules make things a little bit different this year. Um, I mean, I know that they're they're all on Yoko's, right? And that means that they have 265 options instead of 255. And the AO52, that's a soulless tire. Sorry. How do you go from the A28R? Just <laughs> it's like a beautiful woman. It's like a shapely woman. I or can man. tell you that. So Yoko Ben, do you care about being fast or do you care about looking good? Because yeah. I'd right. rather be fast. Oh. So. Well, well the 8008R isn't going to make you there. Looking good is more important than being good, especially when being good is an option, not an option. Yeah, right, exactly. Well, I guess I whatever like brings really in the sponsors kind of. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have uh, I don't have quick ones. I only have really elaborate <laughs> esoteric ones. He'll burn. Okay, Ben doesn't have quick ones either. <laughs> I'm not I'm not personally a quick one, yeah. So, um so you're you're going to do more power in the Camaro and yep. Oh shoot. Who's that? Uh-oh. Who calls you this late? Uh, Maybe that's your Adam. phone you were looking for. It's the man of the hour. Uh, this is a brief intermission for a phone call. Hi, Adam Jubay. <laughs> I'm doing a show with Kobe Shield and the Benz. What are you up to? It's... Mm, hold on a second. Take this. 
Oh. Uh oh. Are we continuing this without him? <laughs> okay. Are you gonna Are you gonna cut this out? Are you gonna leave this in? This is raw. This is real. <laughs> this is real. This is what happened. So Abe is sending a text message right now. Why not, yeah, Abe? Everybody would love really to come to your place. Because that would require that you cut out a f- a three second clip of audio. No. Of so editing. this means when. Anyone protests and they disagree with Abe, they can find out where he lives. Well, and just dear come to his front dear door. listeners, we know you're all listening because you <laughs> love the high level of, uh, of production on this show <laughs> as we sit in this kitchen. So I'm actually pretty concerned about the weird items that get shipped to people's uh, mailboxes as mm. of recently. Uh, so what is it? Uh, Luke got a, a whole bag of gummy bear dicks. And yep. Was just 100%. Wow. And then he got like uh, a, a, a package with potatoes in it. Just weird stuff. Yeah, people people are are sending some funky stuff. So you can't be giving your address out on the internet. That's just crazy. Didn't Jeremy send them the dicks? I'm pretty sure Jeremy or Sean. It had to have been Jeremy or Sean. It was one of those two. It was Jeremy. 100%. Those guys are so silly. Yeah. (laughs) Extremely silly. Okay, so we talked about Kobe and we talked about Ben's new 350. Is that right? Or is it 370? We haven't talked about that. We haven't talked about the 350Z yet. The seat times Z. uh, It's not necessarily worth talking about. Uh, It's a 2003 350Z with the shitty motor, the the (laughs) DE. Uh, It has a limited slip differential. I heard that works really well. It's limited slip for about half a lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Viscous is the way to go. Um, How much do you pay for it? Uh, like, Don't want to say. Yeah, not like a great deal. <laughs> it was it was single owner and low mileage, so that was what got me so that you, about it. But those details are important if you yeah. want to just put it on the track and beat the hell out of it, right? I, I can't. <laughs> Absolutely. He was so concerned with all that, yeah. and then we drove the piss out of it about two weeks later. Reliability yeah. is important, especially for a track car. Like you get a single owner car that's been taken care of, you know it's going to turn laps. Well, so yeah. you like you've offset uh, Subaru reliability with buying a Honda. Which you, uh, I don't remember if you said on the show you're planning to K-Swap. I am, yeah. I mean, that wasn't something I have even said on YouTube either, so this is a, an exclusive as well. Well, I, I, can, you, I can edit that out if you, you don't You said it on, yeah, on I, Instagram. I it's it been on Instagram, Instagram. So if you follow us on Instagram, you'll get the exclusive. Uh, I don't have time to watch all those Instagram stories. You do like a thousand a day. Oh, well, if all I did was watch your Instagram stories, I wouldn't have anything, like, I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so I am planning to do K-Swap because I want to compete in grid life. So That'll be exciting. Whoa, what? Are we talking about that now? Uh-oh, bomb has been dropped. So what you've just done, oh what you've just done is <laughs> asked Abe to edit out. All, this man wouldn't say his address and just cut that clip out. And now you're making him break the seal on this audio file and go in and, and cut a section. You know out. how much extra work that is? You have to listen oh, to no. Thing to figure out. All right, is there a time marker on there? It's 45 minutes. There you go. All right. Everything's top secret. Gave away all the Camaro information, giving away Honda information. So our uh, you're driving. (laughs) 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 Uh, Well, I mean, if we're gonna record, if we're gonna edit this out, we can talk about it at least. Um, Are you? (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah, right. This isn't getting edited out. Stern over here, just Um, scoop. No, no, uh, I can twist it a different way. Like, do you want to do a street class? Is that what you're trying to do? We can talk about it. We can talk about it. I don't care. When are we, we going to announce it? Are we supposed to have like a big announcement? I mean, I don't know. I, the idea, like, I would probably build hype closer to when it's actually going to happen. Like, it, it's got a B series in it right now. Like, I don't well, have when it's going to happen, the way I know Andy actually works, you're going to take it to him, and then it's going to be done that day, yeah, and you're going to pick it back up. That's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> I have a date set with him, so we'll see. But I'm still like sourcing parts. So, and, Andy is one of the. 
he's one of the most amazing people I know. And uh, the first time like we really like got to hang out was um, Midwest in 2016. I went by myself. Uh, I like didn't know any grid life people. Um, and this was just ever after having done one lap. So I knew Andy and Ronnie and Brandon. Those are the only people at grid life that I knew. And so it's kind of a community thing. And I was like, I don't have any friends. Can I just like hang out with you guys? <laughs> and, uh, they like, they were happy to take me in. We cooked, did barbecue, all that stuff. Um, but Andy, uh, if you see Andy sitting in a chair, that's like hmm. worthy of taking a picture. Wow. He like, no, he, he, he doesn't. That's and, and so Megan, uh, Zelinsky was driving at the time and she was like complaining about her Evo. And, and he was like, Oh, I got a set of coilovers in the truck. You want to just like swap them over. And between sessions, they did a coilover swap because why wouldn't you, you've got the time. Yeah. And, and so do you follow him on Instagram? I do. He posts about doing K swaps all the time in all sorts of vehicles, mostly S 2000s, but he did an RX eight. With a case, uh, that's the blue car, right? Yeah. Um, and that's got to be about the best car you could possibly make. No, is it the, force inducted? No. Oh wow. The um, the Ice Two K was the best car ever. This was pre. You guys know what the trainer is, right? Mm. The trainer is the yellow S two that everyone drives now. That's mm. his. Um, before that car, he had another S two that was even rattier, and uh, it was studded tires, ice racer, and. I drove the ice racer and it was awesome in the passenger seat. When Andy is driving, it was the most visceral <laughs> experience that I've ever had in a car. I mean, it was crazy because um, when you think about like driving on ice, uh, you get like initial kind of rally slides. But once the studs start to hook, you get more lateral G than you get on a street tire. Mm. It's wild. And so Andy's like setting up for turns, like, you know, pitching the car in really weird ways to get the car to hook. Right. And, He's like faster than everyone by wow. five seconds. It's, well, they, it, they say that that helps you with dry driving as well because you're, you're learning the limit more. Yeah, um, that car was wild. And uh, eventually the chassis just got to be so terrible that he, he stripped it and had to send the shell to the crusher. And he happened to start an, like a Facebook feed, a, a live feed, when he was at the crusher. And he had probably like 25 people watching it oh. like with hearts and like tears and whatever because... <laughs> Everybody had driven that car. Yeah. So oh, no. I, I missed that car. It was amazing. So that's kind of what I want to do with the Z, honestly. Like that like I love the idea of having like a really accessible, easy to drive at the limit car that like people can just hop in and turn laps. Like that really It's a to blast. Me. Yeah. I, I think that's the thing that I, I hated the most about the Evo was uh like I used it to compete in one lap and in grid life and I like I did okay by like back in the day standards. I would get destroyed by today's standards, but um, like it got to the point where it was too expensive for me to drive a lot. Um, and so I, I didn't drive it on the street much because I was worried about breaking it and I didn't drive it on the track much because it always broke. Yeah. So like <laughs> yeah. I just, it was, it was, even if it doesn't break, you have that anxiety. Well, and, and when we like, there was one event where Adam and I just beat the hell out of that car. Like, it was uh, it was like special stage in 2016, which would have been like the October event, but the season was already over. And we did every session in every run group over the entire weekend. And I burned like 55 gallons of E85. <laughs> they are not efficient. On track, they're no, not it's, efficient. But it's that crazy. sounds like a great day. It was, it was super fun, but like logistically, it's annoying to have to deal with that much liquid volume. Yeah. Like... 
you don't have enough gas cans for that. That's stupid. That's a barrel's worth. And so like track events got to be expensive that way. It's just like, well, this is, this is silly. If your problem is running out of fuel and not, you know, blowing up engines, I think you're doing okay for yourself. <laughs> so, uh, I didn't see on your most recent, uh, like Instagram and YouTube video stuff. Do you know why the motor failed at some point? Uh, my last motor. Yeah. So to, just to preface, we're talking people, about the ZX two. Yeah. To preface people that under, don't understand, uh, know what's going on, which is, uh, probably everyone. I like you holding my mic for yeah, me. Um, <laughs> uh, so I have a 1998 Ford Escort ZX2. Uh, it was my first car, which is the reason that I have it. Uh, I got it in 2006, I don't know, a long time ago. Um, and it's it's just been slow progression, mod after mod, slowly, slowly. I mean, most of it was bought like on a penny budget, just all super cheap, you know, used market stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, so now it's built up to, it has an SVT focus motor in it, it's turboed, it's got bigger brakes, T37s, all this stuff. I mean, like more money than you should put into an Escort. Um, but it's um, the most unreliable car I've ever owned, for sure. Um, it, and you own a Subaru, so that's... And I own a Subaru, like, yeah. I'm, my Subaru is actually quite reliable now. <laughs> uh, shout out to Andertech Automotive for building it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, the Escort has always been my un- most unreliable car, even in factory stock form. Uh, the transmissions can't actually even hold factory power, um, so that's fun and exciting. But um, yeah, so the 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 latest motor blew up after uh, a wild forty six seconds on track, uh, the first hot lap out. Um, so wait, I don't. I, I guess I don't really understand how that happens, right? Like, because the car yeah. spends some time on the dyno before you go to the track, right? Uh, so I had it dynoed before with a different engine. So when I put this motor in, it was only small tweaks. So, so, you, so you didn't. I street I street tuned it. So no dyno time. Um, but that wasn't the issue. That wasn't the issue. Um, I I tuned it very well. I didn't tune it, but I had a friend tune it very conservatively uh, because I'm gun shy from motors blowing up. Because I had just blown up a, a piston, um, melted a forged piston, which was because an injector clogged. So that was the first built motor issue, uh, which was my fault. I didn't clean out my fuel lines when I put it together and a little bit of dirt got in there and it clogged up one of my fuel injectors cylinder one meant lean and melted the piston uh but the second time i'm not 100 percent sure but m- pretty sure uh it was just oil starvation because the motor has zero baffles in the oil pan it's just a pickup into like a bowl there's nothing there so in 46 seconds on your that sucker out- on your outlap yeah. on your outlap well not on my outlap like i did a warm-up lap but okay. then went at it and it, it 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 went it was a bearing failure like you could you could very clearly see the bearing just ate it so that's a could, shame it's possible that bearing clearances could have been wrong could, i love how you just like said that like very like just like looked deep into my yep. eyes and told me the bearing well i knew that you were going wrong. to say that <laughs> no, no, no. is it possible can, like, can you now tell people that you did a 47 around summit <laughs> <laughs> I did half of Summit for a 40 uh, I actually uh, I, I've driven uh, Shenandoah which I really enjoyed and I've driven on Maine and I really like I like that place it's just uh, given that Gridlife's home base is kind of in the Midwest that event is really or was really hard to do because it's just so far away I wish I could have see run and I loved Genoa. it because it was so close yeah well, <laughs> well like and, and this but is, I need to run Maine because I haven't run Maine yet. It's it's very. Uh, did you run Autobahn with us? I did. Okay, so and we ran North Course this year, right? We ran all of them. Okay, so no, I think. No, I'm sorry, we didn't run North. We ran South and Full. Yeah, this year you cut. This north, year, right? yeah, Is we cut right? North. Okay, mm-hmm. but you still drove to on save time. Most yes, but I drove North because um, of Full. I think 
that <coughs> North Course and Summit Maine are very similar. They're very flowy, they're really easy to learn, and they can be very fast. Summit Maine is very, like, basic. I don't say that in a bad way. I love that track. It's just there's nothing like there's no carousels or jumps or anything like that. Sure. But it's it's also not super high speed. Like, I think it's a fun track because... It's pretty high speed. Front straight. Yeah, you, really could, you could hit some speed on the front, but there's, you know, there's enough runoff at the front straight. There, I suppose there's some walls later on really that can get, yeah, can get sketchy. But. And, and animals. Yeah, yeah I've heard, heard it can get crazy up there. Yeah. But I need to make my way up next year. I've told myself I have to go once because I have a bunch of NASA TT guys okay. that have it out to get me and speak ill of That's other things. And um, so, but no, they, oh, I'm talking about them. <laughs> They're all friends that happen to run with NASA, so I have to go up there and, and try and prove a prove a point. So we'll see. So it'll I either do, end really well, or I'll go home with my tail tucked between my legs. I know that uh, when we first went to Shenandoah, there was a couple of like local guys who had run there a lot more. They were talking about like what seriously fast times were on that mm-hmm. circuit, and uh, I think both Luke and Paul went out and beat they that obliterated guy's personal it. best on the first lap. So is yes. that Luke's home track? Because he's from West Virginia. Uh, he's driven there a lot, I think. But I don't know that he had driven I don't think Shenandoah. he's run Shenandoah much. He runs full a lot. Not so, many people run Shenandoah. How did you get that gig? Like, how did... <laughs> I don't know. It just It just kind of worked out. Um, I, I thought the track was super cool. I really I enjoyed it. driving awesome. it. Um, and I again, I'll, I'll talk about Luke on the show some more. Um, <laughs> he's wild. <laughs> he's wild. Um... <laughs> I've been in the car a lot and he doesn't often slow down when I'm in the car, right? Like he's nine and a half tenths usually when I'm in the car and there's, there's very few people I get in the car with and I've never been like sketched out, uh, except for us going over the jump at like 130. And I was like, Mm. Oh, that's kind of gnarly. Yeah, man. (laughs) Yeah. I can't imagine that jump in the passenger seat. Like uh, there are a few people that I trust and I would be happy to ride with. Um, but that was uh, like I didn't regret it, but it was just like that's really fast, man. And the car's in the air, and it's it's just weird. Yeah, once you put things into perspective, you realize you're flying a Viper ACR at 130 miles an hour. You're getting yeah. you are leaving the pavement at 130 yeah. as a passenger. It's this, basically an airplane. It it makes 1,500 I mean, pounds of downforce. I think at a certain speed, it makes 1,500 yep, pounds of downforce. That's force. correct. And I was filming, and he legitimately got a foot of air underneath the front splitter. So Alex, uh, I don't know how you say his last name. Is it Artayet? Yeah, Alex in, the, yeah. Uh, Alex in the Subaru also spent a lot of time in the air, actually. Yeah, that car, I don't think he has a lot of suspension droop in it. It was <laughs> in the air a lot, yeah. Some of my favorite shots were from that. I didn't, unfortunately, go. Ben shot that one solo, but I, after watching that video, like the airborne shots and seeing some of the pictures afterward were wild. Wild. So uh, I am incredibly lucky uh, in that uh, Matt Williams, who's a listener of the show, um, is usually the first person to tell me to stop what I'm doing and uh, he throw me the keys to his fit and he'll say, go drive. And it is the ultimate luxury for me. Um, and we were out I- at Shenandoah and he, he gave me the keys and he sent me out to drive in the fit and I had an absolute ba- blast. And based on what we saw, uh, drivers taking the inside of the carousel and not going into the, the bowl part, mm-hmm. uh, going inside of that was probably faster, but you know, how many times are you going to do this carousel thing? And the thing that I thought was really weird, and you probably didn't even try it, but uh, you're breaking into the carousel and mm-hmm. there's like a dip so that you're, if you're like breaking hard enough, the car like skips into the, the concrete of the carousel. So the hmm. car's airborne there too. It's really, really weird. So not to sound 
over like I don't want to over exaggerate it, but the carousel was the most insane thing I've ever done. And I would I got to the point where I was literally throwing I went in too hot, so I was going in the way too hot one lap, and I would throw the Camaro into the carousel, and it's hard to describe to people who've never seen it in person, but it's so banked that I went in, my heads-up display said, I'll never forget, it said like 73, and I was like, I'm going to die, <laughs> and so I knew I wasn't, I wouldn't make it breaking and just missing the carousel, so I just held on, stayed heavy on the brakes, and then just yanked the car into the carousel, and it's so violent and so banked that it actually took the car, and you're just like... It's the coolest feeling in the world, but you're, I mean, it sounds like the whole car is falling apart, but I just remember that I slung the car in it like 70 miles an hour and it just hung on. And so to me, that was the coolest experience ever. I mean, I had a car that I could abuse and I had a car that was high enough to not rip the whole front end off. Was that your fast lap? I've no idea. It was one of the (laughs) fast laps, but it, yeah, I mean, that was the fastest way to take it, but I'll never forget my RE71s had this insane camber wear to where they were literally completely angled, and I just obliterated those right two tires Weird. just because of the, the angle of the carousel and the way I guess you're dropping into it. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, you could – it was like a quick dip, and then you could just launch the car into yeah. it. Do you, it was do you amazing. have a G meter? Did you, like, look at the Gs that you were generating? I do have a G meter, and I could pull it up on Cosworth Toolbox, but I don't know right now. Yeah. Like but that's the, something we could definitely look up. The amount of, like, speed that you can carry. and like It's the, dumb. The you, inside line was about 40, 40-ish miles an hour, maybe a little bit more. The I could drop into the carousel at 70, and then I would maintain, like, 65 through the carousel. Yeah, I rode with you, and it was – violent like it looks like it's yeah I, I, that's right i drop it's like dropping into a freaking half pipe and yeah, right, on a yeah. skateboard it's is so what it feels weird. like yeah yeah um, it's, it's creepy so have you driven I, one of the things that i'm super excited about for 2020 is that we're going to ncm i mm-hmm. love driving at that place have you been there i've not but i've heard that we will most likely be running some type of cars there before the event so that'll be some good seat time I, I heard that's the case. Okay. Um, I'm usually... And I'm stoked to run at NCM because it seems phenomenal. It's, it's, um, it's a really fun, rewarding track, and it's going to be amazing to see some cars break the two-minute barrier. Break the two-minute barrier? Oh, yeah. So sure. we're running the long... Because there's like a million variations. Grandful is, is like the configuration. Is that the one we're running? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because so, so for perspective, I think the fastest I've ever seen someone run an SS one LE there is like a two fourteen. So Tom, does that sound right? Tomo at uh, what? What's Tomo's Camaro? Do you know? His is an regular SS, but I think it. I don't. I think he's cammed. He's like bolt-ons cam, and then he's running some fat tires. Okay, I think. But he I mean, did it's a similar to my setup. Twelve at TT Nats. Okay, that would make sense. And Tom's really good. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. Um, the Pete. Or not Pete. Andy in Pete's car, I think, did a 204 or 205. Wow. What's Pete's car? The the wide-body, big-arrow uh, E46 M3. Yeah, so oh, that's right. stupid fast. Yeah. Yeah, so the unlimited cars are going to be, like, 150s. Yeah, I would expect so. Yeah, so breaking like, sub two, yeah, breaking two minutes there is going to be insane. Yeah, it's, it's going to be wild. Can we talk about Road, Atlanta, or Road America where uh, the people that work there didn't believe that no, yeah, we, I had that argument. And they were like, no, he shortcutted the course. And I was like, I wish that was on video yeah. or on audio or something. That's incredible. Yeah. The 208 is banging at that place. Well, they didn't believe the 211. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird place. So the, Leave it uh, up to grid life. The, uh, the main flagger, the guy at start finish, had done flagging it like everywhere. He's like, oh, yeah, we did the 24 hours of Le Mans. I've done... You know, I've done flagging at the... He, did, he did the 24 hours of Le Mans? He, he was flown out to <laughs> they France They flew him to, to France. France. I don't think... I, that's not what I said. I'm saying he w- he did flagging there. You don't know that he just didn't, like, 
fly himself there so that he could be a marshal. <laughs> That's true. That's all right. Yeah, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But um, yeah, he like he had stories. I mean, it was it was chilly up there. But Ashley and I were both out there to watch the GLTC like start to make sure it was clean, and he just like talked, and mm-hmm. it was like between he and Gary, and I don't know if you talked to Gary very much, but like Gary's the, a trip. Gary is amazing, and Gary's done everything there is to do in motorsports. And between those two, you could—that's—that's that's all there is. Like, th- there is no more motorsports because, and I've said this on the show: the thing that is most frustrating about Gary is that uh, he's the worst kind of one-upper friend. In that, you can tell a story, and he'll have a better one, and his is actually better. It's like, <laughs> son of a bitch, Gary! Like, could you just not? But usually his his, uh, his story is better. And there's there's a whole bunch of race teams here in Brownsburg, and he is uh, basically like the crew chief for the um, Wayne Taylor Racing Super Trofeo team, mm-hmm. which is like six Lamborghinis. And Gary was in town three months ago, and he's like, hey, you want to come see the shop? Yeah. Of course. So uh, we were at Wayne Taylor Racing, and I, I'm lucky enough to have met Wayne once. Um, Dan Lewis invited us to like hobnob with Wayne Taylor at Mid-Ohio, which was super cool. Um, and then the shop is here. Uh, so we got to see all these like customer for Lamborghinis, and it was amazing. Yeah, for a cool $25,000, $30,000 weekend, you could be in that Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, that doesn't even seem that expensive. So r- this is apropos of nothing except maybe like professional race teams. Uh, but just this is a car that I'm currently obsessed with, and it started last night. Um, <laughs> Kobe and I, he, he spent the night at my house last night before we drove up. and um, That sounds romantic. Oh, it was, we it was adorable. Candles. Just um, wait till he finishes his story. Yeah, it gets real romantic. Uh, we were playing a set of Corsa, uh, and he, he was like, bro, have you ever seen this car? And he pulled up the Porsche 93017. Are you familiar with this car? Uh, I don't think so. I, okay. mean, I bet if I saw it, it would be familiar. Well, now you will be. Are you familiar with the Can-Am series that we had in the 70s? I think so. So these are some Buckwild like wedge cars that, you know, it's like everything was, uh, you know, you could build the car however you wanted, right? Zero safety f- features. McLaren was dominating with like 700 horsepower or something like that, right? And these are like, these tires are garbage, you know, like they're like, <laughs> 70s. yeah, the, these cars are just death traps. So... Porsche comes over with with the the 930 uh 17 and this is a flat 12 twin turbo. Neat. <laughs> um it made 1100 horsepower in race trim in qualifying trim. So time attack trim. Yeah, in, yeah, in time attack trim it made 1580 horsepower. 1580 horsepower in 1973. Neat. At Rota. weighed nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And And it was making like 40 pounds of boost, right? It was making 40 pounds of boost and like 40 pounds of downforce because like this, this was like 1970. <laughs> like I'm sure, I'm sure on at vintage the time, tires. It was cutting edge because it was all of Porsche's money for for sure, to dominate yeah. Can-Am. But this is the most buck wild car, and they were dominating so hard. I think they they ran at most sport. We watched a 1970s documentary. Yeah, it was their epic. First race ever in the Can-Am series. So this wasn't even like the hottest version of the car that they would develop. They were McLaren had been dominating. They ran the season opener at most sport. They were 15 seconds a lap up on the competition. Like most, mopping McLaren. Most sport is like a one-minute track. Like, <laughs> so uh, speaking of domination at that level, I don't, I don't listen to a million other podcasts like some of other, our other listeners do. Um, 
Are you guys familiar with the show Dinner with Racers? No. Okay, so there is one episode of Dinner with Racers that Moss uh, forced me to listen to on our way down to NCM uh, earlier this year. And it's about uh, Scott Tucker and his D-Sports racer program. Scott Tucker is like famous for uh, one of those like payday predatory lender companies. That's like his thing. Um, He's like, he, that's what he does? That's what he did. Okay. And uh, he got into, and I'm going to I'm gonna butcher this so like people are going to complain on the internet. Um, he, <laughs> it's okay. But I got he, a bunch of Porsche facts wrong. But. He found interest in one of these club racing series, that one of these SCCA club racing series. And put all the money into dominating this grassroots like runoff style class. So he pissed off a lot of people. No, I think maybe maybe. But they all owed him money. But at the <laughs> at the same time, it was just a it was like a tour de force of what can you do per these rules mm-hmm. yeah. and how fast could a car actually go? Yeah. He maxed it out. And it was on another planet. Yeah. It just if if anyone hasn't listened to that one, you should go listen to the D Sports Racer episode because hmm. yeah, it's, that it's sounds sanity. fascinating. It's yeah, we need so, to go listen to that. Yeah, it's bizarre that like that's the dude that would decide <laughs> to push the envelope. Uh, yeah, so like I mean, they were pro in they were the most pro in like the least huh. not. I mean, it was just like it's a grassroots thing, but they destroyed it. Well, see, that's what has me excited for next year is going back to. <laughs> but no, seriously, going back to your class conversation with Track Mod and stuff like that. I feel like next year we're getting that much closer to maxing, not maxing out the classes, but everybody's going, hmm, this is something I can pull off and I'm still in the rules because I feel like there's so many guys that haven't even, they've touched the potential of the classes. But like you said, I feel like there's to the point to where people are going, okay, I'm not even close and I can make X amount more wheel horsepower. I can add this much more arrow. And I feel like next year should be honestly crazy. But that's just me. I mean, do you feel the same? I feel like next year might be a lot bigger. I think so. Uh, one of the things that I always worry about is attrition and track mod um, mm-hmm. because that class, uh, cars of that horsepower and that weight and at that pace, they're expensive to run. And so the number of drivers that want to come like legit run hard, mm-hmm. just, there's just not a ton of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always worry a little bit about that. Some of the more, more budget-friendly classes... Um, the it's it's not about necessarily just about spending money uh, because the drivers who are really fast are the ones who have been on track all the time for the last five years, right? Like Spaz doesn't spend a mountain of money. I mean, he's got a really well-prepped car, but he's, he's fast because he just drives a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, seat time's everything. And, and not only, not only seat time, but going back to the data and like, you know, committing to the craft and getting faster, mm-hmm. not just mm-hmm. like doing it to do it. And, those guys are they're fast now because they've earned it not because they spent a bunch of money to like buy their spot on the podium and i bet that's been cool for you to see these guys at least even like the past two or three years just coming up and they don't even add a crazy amount to their cars but they're just getting significantly faster as people and drivers oh absolutely the so next year especially like we're talking about talking about track mod but Mm -hmm. unlimited is going to be buck wild i i I hope so Uh, assuming Um, the builds get done james has a new sponsor. Yep. Lots of funds to play with. The yep. cars are going to be, he's going to be driving two cars, I guess. And I, th- I think that'll be the, uh, like the, the energy shot that unlimited kind of needs. I right hope now so. Because it's, it's a really, really tough class to sustain in yeah. any capacity as a Absolutely. driver, as a series. It's just, 
you know, when if a car like that comes out, you're just happy to have them there, right? Because mm-hmm. they're yeah. they're not buying track time in the same way. They just they just want a shot. That's it. And yeah, and if you're in the same group, it's like just get the heck out of the way. If you yeah. see them coming up in your rearview mirrors, just point them by. Well, and don't even hesitate. Uh, it's it's deceiving because I think a lot of guys who run some other time trial series, um, they think about unlimited and they 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 think it seems accessible. They're like, oh, my car on slicks would be competitive. It's like, no, yeah. dude. Like, the difference is not the tires. That's um, <laughs> and and the the weird thing is like, all of the guys who are fast, um, they have a team of people who devote their weekend to making sure that the car is in tip-top shape. Yeah, they're swapping transmissions. They're doing whatever they need to do to win. Yeah. Yeah, it's and, crazy. And that's, that's the craziest part. And so, like, if you're a guy, and I'll pick on Ferris for a second. Like, last year, Ferris thought that he could put slicks on his car and run in the limited. And I was like, dude, it's... Did he come out? Uh, yeah, he, he actually ran really he well ran in track, track mod, mod, right? He, he yeah, he did really, really well really in track well. mod. You mean this yeah. past season? Or? Yeah, but okay. early I, I on, he was considering running an Unlimited because he thought he could be competitive there. And I was like, no, yeah. dude, it's like not... And it's not a knock to him. It's just where that class is at. So like... Uh, it's insane. For, for context, um, Ferris ran a 218 at Super Lap Battle in February, which mm-hmm. is a, a fast time. Uh, at Coda. The, at Coda, you're right. Okay. Um, the Life Motorsports car ran a 208. Yeah. Oh, well, I think. So it's like it's like 10 seconds faster. That's yeah. That's pretty serious. And the difference is not a set of Hoosiers. It's a well, we decided we're going to spend 500 hours between events, just fixing stuff and making it better. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about this because we were talking about this on the way here, and we did like a little bit of like, you know, in the car math. So. We're blown away by the speed of Will Young running a, a what one nineteen at Road Atlanta, right? Um, James running one twenty one or one twenty two at Road Atlanta, like these crazy fast times. They seem like untouchable, right? They're gapping track mod by like seven seconds right. or eight seconds. Like we were looking at the RP, whatever the car, the Porsche six eight, yeah. The, so that car at they Danny Ricardo, Formula One driver drove in 2014 he drove red bull's current formula one car at sydney motorsports park which is the same place that they run world time attack right uh he was seven seconds faster than that porsche okay in a formula one car seven seconds doesn't seem like a lot it is not a lot uh because that that track they do about the same times like a little it's a little bit longer than here's some more context though so formula one runs at Coda also obviously, and uh, qualifying times for Formula One at Coda are at one thirty one, one thirty two ish, and so if you compare that to Life Motorsports, it's like Life's was the fastest production car ever, you know, recorded there, and they were at two oh eight. They're like what thirty five seconds faster. Thirty five seconds is an eternity. Thirty five yeah. seconds, and you can see it because Life and Will have both gone and competed at World Time Attack. And like they're competitive. Well, so like Will was competitive in like the the pro am class, um, you know, like second or third place. Uh, yep. But not close to the overall record, which is usually where he's at or or where life's at. And and like, I'm Ashley and I really enjoy watching Formula One. Um, and this year, uh, IndyCar also ran at Coda, and they they do a couple of goofy things with the track, and their the track limits are a little bit different in a couple of the corners. But it's like, I think it's like 20 seconds different a lap. From, and like from F1. IndyCar is fast. It's very fast. But Formula One is just that much faster. Yeah. 
Well, that's when it's going to be interesting to see what Formula One's going to turn into in the next couple of years because yeah. they're cutting everyone's budget to $170 million. But what I'm saying is, how do we get... A Formula One car? No, how do we get the guys from Australia to come to a grid life event? That's what we need. I don't know. To Road America. Bring them. Oh, I'd come over and run Road America, mate. (laughs) (laughs) We'd see how fast we can get this little CRX to go around Road America. (laughs) 140s, okay. Sounds feasible. That needs to be the next goal. (laughs) That That was a great accent. Under Suzuki or like the, the Swedish team, like any of those cars, like the... Voltex car, the what Tilton car? Yeah, it'd be, be epic to so, see. So, um, you know, I've I've been to Coda, I've not driven, and I've been to Road America, and I've driven like sight laps before. Um, I know that there is a uh, a group of DE and racer drivers that think that Coda is the place to be, and like it's pretty cool because it's the active Formula One track, but it doesn't inspire me in the same way that Road America does. I will say Road America surprised the mess out of me. Just the venue, how gorgeous everything was. You have the history of the town and just, I, I don't know. It's just a different track. It's insanely fast. And the curbing is the most brutal, or not even the I guess you'd call it curbing. The runoff, essentially, is the most brutal runoff and curbing I've ever experienced in my whole life. You should go to Blackhawk. I had to realign my car. And I literally, we found this out at VIR. I never told you this. My car was handling really, really weird for the bracket battles. And I was like, oh, it's probably me. I was like, it's probably a mental thing. And so I would get like this rear end walk. And the car would literally sit there and walk in the back end of the car. And it kind of freaked me out, especially in the um, in the carousel. I was like, what in the world? Well, soon to find out, we went to VIR like a couple months later here recently. And I'd, I'd gotten the car realigned, but we had never touched anything. So I'm going on the front straightaway of VIR, and it's got a kink in it. And the whole rear end just walks all over the place. I'm like, what in the world? And you're doing probably 130, 140 right there. And so I was like, it's probably me, it's stupidly. So I was like, I'll do one more lap. So I come back through, because the rest of the track, it wasn't really doing it. Well, it does it again, and I'm talking to it was terrifying this time. So I go in, and I check it. The end of my, my toe link had literally come unbolted from the car. And it was literally, there. you could just smack it around. And it was to the point where there's like three, three threads of engagement and I hadn't touched it since Road America. And it was just funny because that, that whole rear end walk was what was happening at Road America. And I know it was from the curbing. It's a classic so it's just Jeremy Swenson situation. <laughs> really? <laughs> so he, he broke a control arm or something at, uh, at M1. Uh-huh. And he came back into the pits. And it, the rear tire was attached, kind of. <laughs> so like, he, he jacked the car up and he grabbed the wheel and the whole thing just like it wobbled like six inches. Really? And so he was like, yeah, the car was like crab walking out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so I've learned my lesson. Anybody that's never been to Road America, it's absolutely brutal, but it's a blast. And that so, speaks to the grip of the ACRs as well, the, the Viper ACR tires. Yeah. Those tires were life changing. Because I hadn't run them. And they destroyed your alignment. (laughs) Obliterated my alignment. I cracked a wheel at VIR because of them, because they have no sidewall. So you guys, Grid Life is like the only sanctioning body that allows us to run that tire, period. Like everyone bans them. Now I will say, very fast tire. Not a beautiful tire, dog. Not a sexy tire. Oh my Lord. But the tread pattern's just not good enough for you. It's just, that's not much to look at. They're the most temperamental tire I've ever driven on, but they're the fastest street tire I've driven on. I'd, street it's tire. such a love yeah it's it's such a it's such a love hate relationship with those so other series um will disallow it because the uh factory tread depth is only 630 seconds yeah that's insane to me one lap requires a 730 seconds which means that a factory acr 
would have to use an, an option or a different tire to be able to compete. That's crazy to think about. I don't even know really? that there is a tire that they could run. They could run a rival and downsize. Yeah, I think that's or like 4S what people would put on. A um, 4S on a Viper ACR? You're running one lap, dude. That's true. You need endurance. You don't need it to last Yeah, for could an ACR last one lap? That's a good question because they don't I don't know. Long. Luke, if you're listening, man, we want to see an ACR on one lap. Well, you can't run them. No, I know. Swap the tires. I want to see if an ACR will make. Oh, you're saying no, the tires? The tire, yeah. No, That's I can speak confusing. from experience. They'll they'll obliterate themselves. Yeah. So yeah. I I ran a day on them. We were doing racing school stuff, so I had to keep lapping my car because we were doing lead follow situations, and I knew it was just going to happen. Well, I literally, I I didn't just cord them. They obliterated themselves to where they were coming off in massive chunks and literally were falling completely apart. And I had to switch two out, switch them to the other side, did it again, and those two chunked. So I literally went through basically a set of ACRs in two hours. And I assume you like did a like full it's set. 295 square. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. And so the, the whatever the fronts are made of, they just can't take heat. So they're yeah. a phenomenal time attack tire, but you can't take them to track days. You can't lap them long. Well, I they can't just, imagine having the budget to be able to take them to a track day. It just seems weird. I, I can't either. I not, took them there to kill them. Well, yeah. So for a set, they're only $1,100 for my car. It's like $1,180. bucks. that is which is cheap in That's my book. That's cheapish, yeah. How many Most tires do you get on them? Uh, you get like a weekend. A Maybe. So literally one. Yeah, so, so if I was to run them this coming season, I would probably, to stay competitive, you'd probably have to run a set every weekend. And how many, how many track days do RE71s last? On the Several. Camaro, I'd get two weekends. So four days. So but the Camaro's really, heavy. The, the price difference isn't really 1100 bucks. It's 1100 per event, which would be like $3,000 for three events. Mm-hmm. But hey, you got to pay to win. Yeah, I mean, you could you could save money and go slow. So <laughs> there you ben, go. Ben makes an excellent point. When people complain about how expensive racing is, I remind them that actually racing is pretty cheap. It's winning that's the expensive part. I love that. Sure, you can go out there and turn laps, yeah. but it's just whether do, you want to win or not. Me and, me and the Z that's on like R- me. RS4s, we're going, we're lapping all weekend, baby. All year, all year on baby. RS4s, one set. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I know, man. Those RS4s will. Yeah, but like for me, the, the Camaro is just like. If you want to stay ahead of the curve, like I know guys are coming with C8s. It's rumored that there's a couple I, guys I bringing hope C8s. That Jeremy brings a C8. I heard that he is getting. I did too. I've heard that from multiple people. I've never met him personally, but I would. Lo- I love to. We've his had GT4. him on the show. Jeremy is the coolest dude. He seems awesome, the but I hope he, he brings it because I think it would be a blast. Per- Performante to Mido. Yeah, That's, <laughs> what a guy. Really That's incredible. He, he daily drives it too. Oh man, what a there life! There goes my hero. Uh, he's he's super cool. He loves cars. Loves that car. That uh, that Cayman is the most beautiful. Ca- and Cayman's already gorgeous. And it sounds that ca- oh incredible, like absolutely amazing. I so when we went to um, when we went to Willow Springs last February, uh, they had run like a spec Boxster or something on um, like Big Willow mm-hmm. while we were on streets, and like uncorked anything Porsches just sound incredible to they me. They do like. You could be slow as shit. I don't care. It just sounds good. Um, but that car is not slow. Yeah. 500 horsepower from an NA 4 liter. Yeah, yeah. it's insane. I, I hope that someday he gets some luck with cars because it seems like he's always fighting something. It's, it's a darn shame. Does the Cayman give him problems? Uh, I think the last event, it was like it had a uh, air pocket in the coolant or something. He was oh. trying to burp. And it was it's not like a thing that's easy to do on a Porsche. You can't mm. just like squeeze the hose like you do everything else. Mm. It's, it's a little more complicated than that. Evos are exceptionally easy to bleed. I've never had issues with. Yeah, agreed. Um, Now the, uh, I don't think I said it to you guys. So I sold my Evo to a younger guy, um, younger than you, Kobe. 
Um, I'm just a baby. <laughs> We're all babies. Yeah, we are all babies. I'm, I'm very old. No, you're a baby too. I'm old for my age. Compared you're to all people buying these C8s, you're a baby. Um, so I, I sold it to this guy, and I, I like I listed the car, and I tried to be as transparent as possible as I could with what it was, what it wasn't, and like really, really know what you're getting. And guy's 23, 24 maybe, and it's going to be his daily. Mm. He, he doesn't have any track experience. He's not interested in motorsports. He's not going to compete with it. He just wants to drive it. Mm. And I was like, dude, I don't, I don't think this is your car. I'll and you be, told him that? Yeah. You're like, probably one of the only Evo owners in the world that was that honest. Well, like, I so don't. So good for you. Because well, most just, I feel like, okay, just dump them between off. Between the show I, and my I role would. in grid life and anything like that, I don't need people on the internet thinking I'm a jerk. No, like, I get that. And so, or like, I'm doing some shady things, selling them a car that's unreliable or whatever. So I tried to be super clear. And uh, he was super happy with it, drove away. And then, like, three weeks after he bought it, he was roll racing on the highway over here. And based on what he said, I, the only thing that I can think that makes sense that he did was try. He was at the top of fourth, and instead of hitting fifth, he went to third. So money shifted. Yeah, it's a big money shift. And that valve train was built for 9,000 RPM. And if it went, it was, it was going. He sent that thing. Yeah. And so to the he's, moon. he's in the middle of a rebuild now. And like, but this was recent. So what, what is that car at the top of fourth? That's like 120 or something? Ish, yeah. This is the longest fifth gear on planet Earth. It is. If it's like yeah. Mark's. And it's, it's, it's a really garbage gear. It sounds like, like it's falling on its face. I used to make fun of Mark Brylow, who runs in street class. Yep. I literally used to make fun of him because I thought he was doing something wrong in his car. And then we finally just realized fifth gear in those cars literally falls yeah. flat so you, you on you its face. You try to get as much rev as you can out of fourth, mm-hmm. but it's it's awkward. So like at my power level, you dr- you've driven at Road Atlanta, mm-hmm. right? Um, the uh, straight between five and six. Yep. Uh, my car was fast enough at the time that I would need to shift into fifth to before I get to that corner. And so it's like you're revving out and forth, and then it's like, bah. That's exactly and, and, what Mark would do. I'd tell him like it's almost beneficial to just bounce just the limit. Bounce it, right? But it's the gearing for that car is so much worse than the eights and nines because you can really? get a lot more rev out of fourth and like it, it just runs faster. If you could get to 130 in fourth instead of like 110, which is factory, well, then you'd be in better shape. Yeah. Right? Fifth is it's like the longest fifth gear I've ever seen. <laughs> it's got to get that, those fuel economy numbers, right? Because it's yeah. like a better car. And what's funny is I bought I bought the 10 because. I wanted a better car. I thought it was going to be a better car because I wanted than cru- an eight or nine cruise, and I like I wanted a thing yeah. that I could live with. And I had it for six months before I started trying autocross, and I started just dabbling in like this or that, and then it just went crazy, and it became the not car car. And I ended up yeah. stealing my dad's truck for eight months. <laughs> well, I That's will say awesome. I drove a nine for ten thousand plus miles on a road trip, and I would have sold my left nut or both of my nuts uh, for cruise control because driving with your left foot is not the best. <laughs> <It's awful. laughs> I don't know how you did terribly. that. Yeah. Cruise control is, is like my lifesaver. Yeah, cruise control is the bomb. I miss... So there are some things that I really miss about my Jeep. Uh, one of those things is radar cruise. Radar cruise is the best thing that's ever been put in a car. Is that what your truck has? Yeah. Like similar? Yeah, it's just adaptive cruise control. It just uses, I think it uses cameras. I don't know about radar. Yeah, it's incredible. It he fancy. showed it to me today. I've never ridden in a car with it, and it's incredible. Just just drive. Just, yeah, it'll it's do, got like it'll do the things. Just, all that stuff, yeah. The other thing, now that it's getting cold here, uh, the other thing that I really hate is 
I don't have uh, like auto start anymore, and I get out to my car and it's so cold. You have um, a three car garage. Is that I think I counted right? I that that is true. Okay. So you're saying I should buy another car? Well, so what do you have in your garage? I have home renovating supplies in one spot right now, which is annoying, and then Ashley's car in my car. Your car is cold in the climate control garage. No, I'm saying when I leave <laughs> when, I, when I leave work. When he's when he, yeah, when the car's been sitting outside all day. Got it. And I'm like I'm a I'm a sensitive guy, so like mm-hmm. you know I, I I get out and it's like oh it sucks it's cold. We're both a couple of soft boys. It's, it's fine, <laughs> you know. Like I tell Adam, you know, just because you can live hard all the time doesn't mean that you have to. <laughs> <laughs> As he oh, sleeps no. on his bed of Honda transmissions. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I I told you guys before I'm like super super into the. Uh, the, the diesel suburban announcement from yesterday. Yeah. I don't have the budget to buy one, but maybe in a few years I will. And then I will fight Ed Colazzo because he, he says Cayenne diesels are life and I'm making a mistake if I want to get a suburban. Wow. See, I've been looking at Tureggs. They have the same diesel motor as the Cayennes. And, and I just, I don't know if I want an SUV. Cayennes are better. I can't haul gas, man. Really quick. Any fuel. Can you, can you say that fuel type starting with the D? Diesel. Can you say that fuel type starting? Diesel. Oh, I love it. See, I say it like the German who invented it would say it. And I you say, say it like, like a goober from a Virginia. A red-blooded American <laughs> might say it. Diesel. 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 Like Luke diesel. McGrew. Diesel. Got my diesel. Yeah. So I don't know anything about diesel. Petrol. Yeah. Gears and gasoline. I don't know what diesel and gasoline is all about. You guys should start a uh, truck spinoff just like we started a, an RV spinoff. <laughs> What is we can. Uh, let me I'm, tell you, I'm Ben would love to do that. He would. We could compare truck. truck. So, oh, no. Uh, we've only done two episodes of C-Class Citizens, and more people listen to that than you'd imagine. So w- when like we, we want to talk about yeah, I mean, trucks are a big market. Like, I don't know how many F-150s have been sold. We're exclusively in old, junky RVs. That's, that's if you that, find me one, I could consider it. I bet Adam would find you one today. That terrifies <laughs> me. Like, how old are we talking uh, mine is a 2001, and Adam, Adam's is a 94. What fuel economy do you get on that? Mine? Um, when I'm towing the car hauler, which I absolutely love, thanks, Matt Williams, um, it's like seven and a half. Is it a diesel or gas? It's Mine's gas. <laughs> diesel? So James Houghton, who also listens to the show, convinced me that I didn't want a Sprinter diesel-based RV. One, because they're really expensive, and two, because mechanically they're more sophisticated, and the fuel economy in them is great. But uh, they're way more expensive, and when they break, you need a specialist to fix them. The, the mm. Mine is a Ford Triton V10. He's like, any shade tree mechanic can work on this thing. It will work forever. Is that the 5.4? No, it's the, it's the V10, oh, the, the yeah, 6.8. Anyone can work on that? Yeah, he's like... Uh, it's uh, fairly popular. I mean, it's, it's, it is it's a junkyard. It's a big one. old American V10. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Luke McGroon is all about that. <laughs> um, so w- you start to wow. like think about fuel economy and, and you know, it kind of sucks. But uh, we drove it. I, I towed Levi's car, or Levi and I co-drove the RV from here down to Atlanta and then back. And the trip was, I think, 1,200 miles or something like that. Mm-hmm. We spent... $350 in fuel over the weekend, which was like Dang. a lot, but we didn't stay in a hotel either. No, that's and I good. had a hot shower at the racetrack that didn't have any poisonous spiders in it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that actually sounds really convincing. I just had a brilliant idea. 
uh, can we, this is apropos again of nothing. Can we make a poor man's Viper? And I know everybody's like, Oh, this is like a poor man's Viper. No. Like, can we take a Miata and put a Triton V10 into it? <laughs> if it'll and, fit. Yeah. That would be incredible. And it's just like so, the worst car. What ever, kind of like horsepower torque numbers are we talking with uh, a Triton V10? Um, I think it's like 400 torque, maybe 300 horsepower. Or Boom. Poor man's Viper. <laughs> We're good to go. We're making more torque than the original Viper. Made. I, it doesn't rev though. I think it only revs to like, 4,500. Even yeah, better. Yeah, that's just like the original Viper. We're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first year of Grid Life South, uh, which was when I was driving, you know, make the trip down there. And uh, at Midwest, you always see some really weird stuff. Um, that was a year that I saw a Cummins turbo diesel in a Miata, which was an awesome thing. Good to see. Lord. I don't even know how that fits. Yeah. It doesn't. Just. It's just there. They just it's there. It pokes everywhere, but it was super cool to see. So speaking of, this is this is changing to more serious stuff. Have you guys discussed Road Land on the show yet? Um, not formally. Can we talk about it? I, I, I don't think that I have a whole lot to add. I could try. Well, I, he just clammed up. I mean, like he sat back in his seat. His shoulders. Are yeah, raised. I'm. I'm kind of a psychologist on the side, and I'm watching. Yeah, I'm yeah. watching Abe's body position. I mean, if anyone on the show thinks that I know what I'm talking about, they'd be wrong. So. <laughs> well, I mean, you, I feel like you're one of five people that has very particular insight into this issue, and I feel like you're a trustworthy person to listen to. Well, I mean, and Zaxby's is I very upset you, that we're. Well, uh, but it's okay. So it seems it's not a bunch about of people Zaxby's. are bummed that we're not going back to road Atlanta. It's, it's a cool track. It's not a perfect fit for a festival. Yeah. Um, with with Pikes Peak this year and with Gingerman, uh, you know, being pretty successful year over year, um, festivals work really, really well at club tracks and places where um, grid life can be uh, both production and like grid life control and race control. Mm-hmm. Like uh, having all of those people basically be on the same team or nearly helps a lot. And uh, I think a, a difficulty when you go to a pro track is uh, race control is used to um, like really, really official sanctioned events that are incredibly serious and incredibly dangerous. And uh, in that way, um, race control is in control. And that like sometimes is at odds with, with trying to run a really fun, um, immersive motorsports event. Mm-hmm. And so like, for a track day, yeah, I mean, Road Atlanta is perfect. But in the same way that I think uh, Road America was was kind of difficult to get used to, it's just a this is a um, this is a challenge when working with pro tracks in general because it's it's not unique to Road Atlanta. It's just a this is what they expect, and so it's very difficult to to build a really trusting relationship with both sides where where both really understand that the other knows what they're talking about. That's a great point because. So like Pikes Peak was the most ridiculous festival I've been to in three years of. Well, that's because Bob was just like, okay, like if that's the what you want to do, just just go do it. Like you and the be most incredible control, story I've ever heard was you telling me about him. It's the owner, right? Yeah, driving his flame truck around in the background while yeah. the drifters are just drifting. Yeah. Okay. And it's just mass chaos. And no one knew, none of us knew <laughs> that he was going to do that. So he just shows up <laughs> and starts flame throwing flames out of this monster truck down the back straightaway while the drifters are running the infield. And is correct. that correct? This is at like midnight. Yeah, it was late. <laughs> That's like, the like, like I'm I'm to the point where Pikes Peak would be what a thirty hour drive for us. Oh yeah, it would be thirty five hours. So yeah. I'm like, like I'm truly exactly considering 24. I'm considering flying because I want to see it that bad. Just flying out there for Pikes it Peak. It was like. Everything about that event was, uh, you could tell it was, it's going to be something really special. So like, everyone needs to be there next year. I think so. 
um, and then you hurt. compare that, you contrast that with Road America, where it was the end of the first day, and I wanted to get some shots of Jeremy Swenson's Corvette, and so I was like, "Hey man, can you drive just just like right across the paddock so that I can get some static shots of your car in like kind of a open area?" So he fires it up. This thing is like the the dumbest, loudest car. It's pretty loud. He just idles over to the spot that I tell him, like, blah, 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 blah. And, like, immediately, like, he, he literally just went across the paddock. They come over the loudspeaker, and they're like, just to remind everyone, we have no a strict, yeah. yeah, like, quiet time starting at 7 o'clock. And he had to go back. Like, we had to shoot the shots really quick so he could get back to his parking space before So and, and, and that's not that's not their policy. That's, like, a county policy. Right? Right. When you think about tracks that have been around that long, they – they make um, they you know that they're members of a community, right? And they have to make they have to be reasonable, I guess. And so they they do make concessions. I mean, even Gingerman has a quiet hour, even though that like people don't think about it. So that brings up probably the most, uh, at least in my circle, the most famous uh, sound ordinance track, Laguna Sega. Is is that is the sound the reason that that might not be an option for Green Light? No, um, the sound is not the reason. Uh, I think. And and I'm I'm speaking as me as Slip Ankle, not as Good Life official. <laughs> um, I think if you try to do too much too fast, you degrade the quality of the experience. So I like that. Um, and and the experience is is our brand. And like if people come to our events and they're not having as much fun as they possibly could, it means we're not doing our job. And so you know trying to expand to everywhere at the same time is really difficult. And if you consider home base really is in Chicago, moving all that equipment around is a logistical challenge, right? Like it's it's obviously not, you know, Formula One level logistics, but like you're still talking about moving a semi truck's worth of stuff from place to place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if you're thinking about moving, uh, pretty much all of us have day jobs with the exception of like Chris and Sean. Uh, Adam works full time. Andy works full time for Good Life. Um, Andy tries to be a dad and a husband and all those things. Um, you think about us going back to back at, at tracks like every other weekend where you're on the road the day before and you're there setting up and then you tear down and then you drive home in the middle of the night and you're back at work on Monday. Like th- that's challenging even locally. Mm-hmm. And then it, you add like, oh, now you need to figure out how to get all your stuff to California or get all your stuff to Texas and manage that in the schedule. It, it's just really difficult. So like uh, I don't think... I think the strategy really is to like, you know, focus on a few key spots and make sure that they're the best event that we can possibly produce before we try and add more. Yeah. So in light of that, when are we getting uh, Grid Life Spa or Grid, Grid, Life, Grid Life Spa or Grid Life Sakuba? Yeah. Uh, Could you James, get on that? Please? James Houghton has advocated at length for a Grid Life North, which yeah. would be at Mostport. And uh, well, and I, I was in Montreal and with the exception of my Jeep getting stolen, I think the circuit <laughs> on the island would be awesome. <laughs> Um, the the oh coolest God. part about that we circuit, could make that hike. The the coolest part about that circuit is that there is a beach and a lake inside the island. Wow! So think about your grid life experience and add a beach inside. That would be wild. That'd is be it so? Wild. Is that is we just have to worry Quebec, about or where is it? I don't know. I, I think most sports on Ontario, but okay. I, I, again, I could be wrong. Yeah. Obviously, Montreal is, is. It's just a blur of Canadian soil. It's it's a long hike between Toronto and Montreal as well. I think it was yeah. like seven or eight hours. Because Ashley, Ashley did that night drive. So we, we left work here on, uh, what was it, Thursday evening. 
And we drove through the night to get to Montreal for the morning for Friday practice. And I drove like from here uh, to nearly Toronto, which is like seven or eight hours. And then she took the night leg and went from Toronto to Montreal. And I woke up in the morning. Yeah, we just on our last road trip, we went through from Toronto through to Montreal. And we got to Montreal and we're like, huh, I don't know how to speak French. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the the weird part about that is uh, when when our Jeep disappeared, our first thought was one. Uh, we parked it somewhere else, and two, uh, maybe it got towed. So I called the city, and they were like, "No, no, no, we don't, we don't tow cars that are parked illegally. We just write tickets." So it was like, "Oh yeah, the, your Jeep is gone." And then I, I called the police, and it took them, it took them a French couple of hours to to show up. <laughs> and I called them. They said, "Oh, we'll be right there." And I called them after the first hour, and the lady was like, "Why are you calling? We said we would be there." Oh my god! And I was like, oh, "I'm on the no. stoop, man. Show up." Yeah. And so the, the second hour, they finally got there after me giving them directions on the phone because they had the directions wrong. So I'm glad it wasn't an actual emergency. Um, but, yeah, that was my, my Montreal experience. They probably would have been kinder if you spoke French. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but I, I thought the city was really cool, and we really enjoyed our time there. And the, the circuit was cool, um, if not, like, a little obstructed. Like, the fact that it's accessible by public transit, super easy. There's, like... It, it accommodated the gazillion people who were there pretty well, but you basically have to have a grandstand seat somewhere to see anything because mm-hmm. the walls are just everywhere. Mm-hmm. But it is a cool place, and seeing Formula One cars in person is very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, at uh, at Coda, when they go through the S's, mm-hmm. um, the car's tires make really, really funny noise, kind of a burp noise when they come over the rumble strips. But by the time the sound gets to you, the cars aren't there anymore. So like uh, yeah. it's it's a really unusual experience because you're like watching cars make noise and they're just driving on the road. Hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's very weird. So I'm sure you know, being a Formula One connoisseur yourself, uh, 18 inch wheels on the new Formula One cars. I, I heard that's a thing. So are those tires going to come over to Time Attack? <laughs> <laughs> Run those super softs. Yeah, man. Brought to you by whomever. Actually, um, if there was a driver that had access to them, I presumably they could. Because in Unlimited, there is no restriction on the availability of tires. Wow. There you go. So Unlimited would be the one class you could see them. It'd be yeah. epic. Yeah. I'm sure they don't have a treadwear rating. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think Hoosier makes them. So Yeah. W- uh, what are they, Pirelli? I yeah, they're so. Pirellis. Yeah. But I think we're going to end on a high note. It's been an hour and 40 minutes. I don't know why Holy anyone would still wow. be listening. But That's fantastic. I think Adam and Chris are going to be here shortly. So Luke is probably still listening to CP mention again, so this is that. <laughs> By the way, Derek, we love you. We can't, uh, we can't wait to see you tomorrow. And uh, you and Ed are gonna get Liddy. Uh, are we getting Liddy? I think so. Abram, uh, I've Ed never said, been Liddy with you. Well, I haven't, uh, I haven't been intoxicated for quite some time. How long has it been? How many? How how long have you been sober? Autobahn in 2017. Oh shoot! Matt Williams made me quite a cocktail, and uh, he gave one to my wife, and he gave one to me. And I had been on the asphalt all day in the one million degree Autobahn July summer. And I had this drink and I, uh, we were hanging out in Adam's RV and I, uh, I went back to his bed and I passed out. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like your body was primed for it. Yeah. Um, Ashley was like, I don't know what your problem was. Cause like I was fine. Yeah. Um, but I, I swear we were, the asphalt could, had to been like 130 degrees at least it was air temp was probably a hundred and we were outside all day Saturday in that. <laughs> so that that's that's Autobahn in July. It's horrible. 
you're in trailers with AC and you're still at 90 it's degrees. It's like running, getting to the halfway point in a marathon and somebody passes you a cup of water and it's just Bacardi 151. All right. Uh, so we kind of got off the, the gears and gasoline front. I would love for you guys to plug where you guys are, what you do, how people can reach out to you because if you're not watching gears and gasoline, you're blowing it toots. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, we're on YouTube. We make car videos. <laughs> so, okay, if you listen to this podcast, you're probably more into tracking, time attack, that sort of thing. So we make the, the video series. Uh, we've covered grid life for the last three, three years. Three years. Uh, so that means there's, you know, what, 15, 17 videos out there, something in that range of, uh, of grid life time attack videos. Yeah, and, and Speed Ring and, you know, all sorts you of You covered things. Pikes Peak this year, which you guys yeah, did a really good job. we covered uh, Wesley Motorsports and Pikes Peak. Uh, so, yeah, so if you're interested in any motorsports video type stuff, uh, Gears and Gasoline on YouTube. We also do other stuff if you're interested in, you know, detailing, working on cars, watching my Escort blow up, all ASMR. sorts of stuff. ASMR stuff, yeah, just sounds of engine assemblies so, and detailing. So for the lay people, what's ASMR? Uh, automatic Meridian uh-huh. Sensory Response. I believe, or something like that. Uh, no, it's automatic. That's the only word I'm sure of. It, basically, it's like shit that makes your neck hairs tingle. <laughs> Usually, it's like girls eating food or something, but we, we do spark plugs. Yeah. All right, that that was really weird. So uh, oh, we keep it weird. So Kobe, are you on are you on the Instagrams or? Yes, yeah, so I'm on the Instagram. Um, I've my YouTube channel has been mostly lap time stuff, but now I'm actually behind the camera. So if you wanna, if you're interested in Camaro stuff, I will be doing my whole entire build through the off season, and that should be a lot of fun. So time to max the car out in class for what the Camaro platform is capable of. So that's what I'll be doing. I think you need to recruit some more people to get some serious competition in Street GT. I'm trying, man. Uh, I'm hoping the C8s come out. I've heard some rumors about C7s. I know Dan Lewis is bringing out, he tells me he's bringing out a 500-wheel horsepower Grand Sport. Hooray! So I'm praying he brings that out because that'll be literally, it'll be really cool to see basically the Grand Sport version of a Camaro Mm -hmm. running against the exact same horsepower, same setup, just different tires essentially versions of themselves so it'd be be really cool to run a c7 versus a camaro and see what the difference actually is and what is what are your handles on that my handles just kobe shield super simple not not kobe like the basketball player kobe nope c-o-b-y yep nope none of that just c-o-b-y s-h-i-l-d it's me Fried chicken Abe, Camaro. thanks so much for having us on. This yeah, I really appreciate it. I'm very I've honored. I've been looking forward to this show for probably three years, and and you guys are <laughs> always busy. We're at events together all the time, but we never sit and hang out. We're slippery, dude. Well, don't let them fool you. One's always working on something, and the other's sitting on a simulator. So <laughs> that's what they're doing in very their accurate. real time. Very accurate. Well, thanks so much, guys, for being on the show. Thanks and I uh, hope you guys enjoy this one. We'll probably be recording a million of shows to over the next few days so look for one with with ed Colazzo and derek and uh then anyone we meet at pri so uh thanks a bunch and we'll talk to you again soon slip angle was created by austin cabot and adam jubay co-hosted by derek yarbrough and production by abram schmucker who mixes all of our terrible audio if you like the show please rate us and review us on itunes and come and find us in the pit of grid live to say hello 